Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Thank you for joining me again on the next part in the series on the millennial reign. In tonight's part, we're going to be speaking about the focal point, which is the kingdom of heaven and the millennial kingdom temple. And uh, we'll be looking at the focal point of Jerusalem and everything that the Bible talks about with the kingdom of heaven, the rewards, and also the, uh, the temple in during that period. So join me for this previously recorded podcast. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here for part four. Excuse me. This is part five of the Millennial Reign series. And uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about the focal point. Uh, So we've been leading up just by way of introduction and and review. We've been leading up all the way through this, you know, like with Daniel's 70th week and so forth and so on. We've talked about that. We talked about the judgment of nations, which will come back into play tonight. Uh, we, we talked about who the period was designed for. Remember that was in part th- uh, four where we talked about saints and the difference between saints. So tonight, um, or in this video, whenever you're watching or listening to it on the podcast version, you'll, we're going to be talking about the focal point of the period. And the focal point of the thousand-year reign of Christ is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, uh, the physical, earthly kingdom of heaven, and also the millennial temple. And now, so this is not going to be that long of a video, so I encourage you to watch it all the way through, and then go back to the uh, previous videos and watch those if you haven't quite yet, and all the way through. So, and leave a comment. Um, I'm really interested in see what everybody's uh, um, been gleaning from this, this study, and I would appreciate that if you leave a comment, or you can reach out to me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast version, you can uh, reach out to me there or leave a comment. And I always check those. And then also, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, please leave a comment below. And uh, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can, okay? All right, so let's look at the main focal point. First, we're going to read Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 through 33, and also verse 41. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. And of course, again, we discussed this already, talking about the judgment of the sheep and the goats, or the judgment of nations, as also known as. Um, But we're going to read verse 31 through 33 again as talking about these rewards that are given in this uh, millennial kingdom. Remember, we talked about the saints last time, who was going to be standing at this judgment, so forth and so on. Verse number 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, And then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And we discussed this already um, in previous studies in the Millennial Reign series. Now look at verse number 41. Then shall he say, this is to the goats, 
Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So people are make it through alive. Uh, we know that they aren't resurrected, all those that were killed, uh, because we read that in Revelation, that the first resurrection is those that um, did not worship the beast and so forth and so on. They are resurrected. Uh, it's called the first resurrection. Blessed is he that is part of that. Um, they get judged along with the people that make it through alive, endure to the end. They get judged as the sheep. But those that make it through alive are judged and cast alive. From all intents and purposes, they are cast alive into the lake of fire, the goats. Not the lake of fire, excuse me, uh, hell at this point. Um, That's how they're judged. Into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, so now we've read that. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 in verse number 11. The Bible says here, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Remember, this is the focal point. But the children of the kingdom. Now, notice it's not the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom, uh, the kingdom. You know, this false kingdom, this fourth kingdom that was set up um, uh, under the Antichrist and so forth and so on, as we have talked about. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, and then in Matthew chapter 13, this outer darkness, outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 40. And the Bible says here, as therefore the tares, okay, the wheat and the tares, this is what it's been talking about here in context, the wheat and the tares, again, like sheep and goats, these are the goats, the tares, are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world, this present world. And by that, meaning that it's the end of man's attempt to rule and reign, okay, uh, that's it. Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years, and uh, we'll get to later on in the, in the millennial kingdom afterwards in another part. But this world, the Son of Man shall, shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is the prepared for the devil and his angels, the, uh, the, the hell um, you know, depart from me. All these different things that we've we've looked we just looked at. So, again, looking at the difference of uh, the sheep and the goats here for this kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter twenty-two. A lot of times talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, all thirty-two times the kingdom of heaven as a phrase is used in the Bible is found in Matthew. But Matthew chapter twenty-two. In verse number one, we'll read down through verse 14 really quick. This is uh, another parable by Jesus. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king. Remember, this is just, it's a parable. He's giving an analogy, giving a story, so to speak, a, a word picture for them to understand. It's like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. 
my oxen and my fatling are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm and other to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. This is, I believe, in Daniel's 70th week. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up their cities. Burnt up their cities. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid, them, uh, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished. Coming. And they're like, meh. Those are the goats that get separated. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 25, where we started out. But look at verse number 1, down through verse 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto, again, showing an analogy here, ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Make sure their lamps are trimmed. This is interesting. This is why I think this is, again, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, not the catching away before Daniel's 70th week. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, give, give us of your oil, for our lamps are, are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Nay, or excuse me, not so, lest there be not enough for us. Not enough. Hmm. And you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. That's a very interesting analogy here. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. I had a brother uh, reach out to me on, I believe, I believe on the YouTube. Brother Stephen uh, uh, reached out to me on YouTube and asked a question about the, the marriage, so to speak, of at the beginning of the millennial reign. And I think that's what this is talking about. It's an analogy of the coming back together for the marriage. Remember, God put Israel on the shelf, in a, in, a, in a way, he put her, put her away, speaking of Israel, for a time to give the, the Gentiles an opportunity. And, you know, I, I believe this is partially about when the fullness of the Gentiles become in, and there's all sorts of different things. You know, again, the timing, uh, we can't be very clear on a lot of the timing because, again, this is for uh, an age when we're not going to be here anyways. This is to the best of our understanding, let's put it that way so far. But when it said, um, uh, while they went to buy, verse number 10, the bridegroom came and they that were ready uh, went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. Or so, excuse me, open to us. Now, I thought this was interesting because like many on that day, She'll say, Lord, Lord, haven't we not prophesied in thy name, and so forth and so on. Again, I used to think that this was the great white throne judgment when they would say this, and they very well may say these types of things. But I believe it's these that are made that are alive 
Because remember, the dead are not resurrected in that first resurrection. They're for the great white throne. We'll get to all that in another uh, portion of this study. But the, po- the point is, is that they say, Lord, Lord, open to us. Like we, they belong there. They think they belong there. They think they've been worshiping the correct God, so forth and so on. So many on that day will say, Lord, Lord. And I believe these are still people that make it through alive during the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. People sometimes say the great tribulation. But look what he answers, just like he answers in other uh, portions. This is why I believe this is when, when it's talking about. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, uh, iniquity, I never knew you. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, once again, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is going to catch uh, us up, uh, the catching away. Uh, some people call it the rapture. Um, it's been coined that or whatever, but the catching away, the biblical term be- being that he comes and takes takes us up. You know, dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive remain shall be caught up. This is a different time period. Period. I believe this is, again, talking about the coming, the second coming, the second advent, the placing of his feet onto the Mount of Olives as it has been prophesied that he would come. And that's when it says, watch, therefore. So I thought this was an interesting, um, again, we, we don't know the day or the hour. They're not going to know the day or the hour in the, in the time of Jacob's trouble in Daniel's 70th week. They're not going to know the time frame. I think that there's a, there, there's a period of time after the catching up. Um, there's going to be some things that happen in there, and we'll get to that in another part of this series in the next part, uh, part six. But in this one, remember, the days are shortened for the elect's sake. Um, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Remember, elect, again, is not talking about us. We are called elect, but also the nation of Israel is called elect. So that's why you have to read Scripture with Scripture, properly divide, rightly divide, the Bible says. Um, study to show thyself approved, Okay. Don't read it in context saying, well, that's us. We, that's how people get Matthew 24 and 25 and everything mixed up all the time. is because they try to read the church into here, but it's not. The days are shortened, so they're not going to know the day or the hour. Even though they may know through prophecy, they say, well, this is Daniel's 70th week. You know, the covenant has been signed with many. The, uh, the, the temple... During that time frame has been set up. Uh, they're doing sacrifices again, so forth and so on. There's a covenant that's signed with many. Hey, we're going to sign this seven-year covenant. People in that time frame would say, well, that starts the clock, especially if they've realized uh, too late that the catching away has happened. And they're going to have to endure to the end. So when's the end? Well, seven years. Seven years of 365 and a quarter days a year. That's not necessarily true because no man knoweth the day or the hour. He shortens the days. For us now, uh, they can see that day approaching. For us now, we can somewhat see a day approaching, knowing that uh, he could come at any moment. However, 
This is the instruction in righteousness we find in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn over there real quick. I'm taking a little bit too much time to get through these, but we'll get through it. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24. The instruction in righteousness for us today. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more, the more, as ye see the day approaching. That's us for now. We see the day approaching. We should be coming together more and more and more. However, we don't know the day or the hour. Same can be said for them. As they see the day approaching, don't depart. Okay, Gather together. As a manner of some is, uh, don't forsake the assembling. They need that strength. They need to endure to the end. So that's why it's crucial for those waiting on the salvation drawing nigh that the Bible talks about in Luke chapter 21, verses 20 and verse 28, and also in James 5, 8. And again, all these references are going to be in the description box below. Now, that is, I said all that to talk about the kingdom of heaven and who's going into it. Once again, I believe it's those that come through alive and those that are resurrected. Those are the sheep that get judged by their works, the the profitable virgins, the ones that, you know, had their lamps trimmed and the oil there and the whole nine yards, they're preparing. The other ones, nah, don't care. Those The ones that are, you know, come into the marriage, that they send to the highways and byways. 56 verses 5 through 7, and then Ezekiel. If you want to go see the description of the Millennial Temple, Go to Ezekiel chapter 37 and read verses 21 through 28. And then you read Ezekiel 40, start in verse 1, and you're not going to end until you get to Ezekiel 47 and verse number 23. It is so specific, it's so detailed, it cannot be allegorical. But rather, it is a literal place, a literal millennial temple. So what do we have to do with a temple, um, Church of the Living God? What do we have to do with that? Come on, take you to a few verses. Mark chapter fourteen. Mark chapter fourteen in verse number fifty-eight. Mark fourteen and verse number fifty-eight. The Bible says here, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build up, I will build another made without hands. And the reason why I read this verse first is turn over now to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. So remember that that verse. Jesus prophesied the temple would be torn down, and he, you know, it did get torn down. Uh, but he prophesied, as it said there, and with I will build another made without hands. Yep. Here's the temple that he's talking about. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. First Corinthians 6 and verse number 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? That's a reference to us. This body is a temple. 
Look now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Our temple, our new body that it's talking about here, not made with hands, our new body is promised that we will put on incorruption. There's our temple. We don't need to worship in a temple made with hands, uh, a millennial temple. Uh, some people say, like, well, why do there's even sacrifices there in a, in a millennial temple? I believe, I believe that, again, that it's the, t- the temple system is set up. People have to bring their, you know, their tithes back into the storehouses again. There's a lot of different things that happen during that. And again, I'm not going to go into the deep details, but I'm just going to tell you the focal point is a temple. And if we were to come back and we have something to do with a millennial kingdom ruling on this physical earth, let's just say, why would we need to go worship in a temple? The sacrifice that we made, that Jesus made for us, that veil was torn, we have that. Now people can go to the millennial temple. Now, excuse me, we can go directly to the throne room of God. He's torn that veil, which was his flesh, made access for us. Now, in the millennial temple, that's where he rules and reigns from in Jerusalem. Remember, the focal point is uh, for the kingdom of heaven is Jerusalem and the temple. That's where they all come into. There's still people on this earth, and for a thousand years, you think, you know, people are living a very long time. There's going to be a repopulation of this earth, a bunch of people. Um, They're going to come in every single year, and there's sacrifices that are made. Once again, people ask, why make sacrifices? The sacrifice has been made, I believe, in remembrance. Just like we do this do in remembrance of me, we do, you know, the, the drinking of the cup and the eating of the bread, which he said he wouldn't partake again until he came back. And then he would drink of that fruit of the vine again. Hmm. I think that this is why it's talking about there in the millennial temple. And they'll make sacrifices in remembrance of, because there's no more faith. The king of kings, Jesus Christ, is sitting there. They can all see him. They all come up to worship. They're supposed to, or else their land is cursed. Read, like, all sorts of different things about the temple system in the Old Testament, that's going to be reset up again, and the entire earth has to come in and worship there and bring their homage, their their tithes, everything of the fruits of the land. We don't have anything to do with that. Now, I had a brother talk to me about, well, if we come back and we are maybe priests that occupy the temple and um, somehow or another, that's, that's our, 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 our job, let's so, so to speak. And I said, that's a great point. We very well could be. And again, I said, I'm not dogmatic about all this stuff. I'm just asking some questions biblically. I did respond and say this, though, and I'll wrap it up with this. If we do come back and we are uh, priests in this, in this millennial temple, the, the priesthood, the Levitical one, now we're, we would obviously be the priesthood of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, uh, 
um, because he was not of the tribe of Levi, tribe of Judah, we, let's just say the priesthood was set back up. Well, they bring tithe in order and all that kind of stuff. The reason why the tithe was set up was to take care of the Levitical priesthood. If that's set up again, and we're the priesthood now, priesthood of Melchizedek, we weren't, we're not promised land. Now, think about it. Go back to the Old Testament. The Levitical tribe were given cities. They were not given land. So they didn't rule their own land, their own providence. The tribe of Levi was given cities within all the other tribes. They didn't actually rule. So they weren't in somewhat of a governmental fashion in that. They were the Levitical priesthood. And then the high priest, obviously, in Jerusalem. So very well, we could. Maybe we are. But then we are not subject to ruling as far as with those millennial kingdom, that kingdom of heaven rewards that uh, those that rule and reign for with Christ for a thousand years receive. That's just my two cents on that. And thank you for joining me for part five, where we talk about the kingdom of heaven and the millennial temple, which are the focal points. Go back and read those uh, all those descriptions of the millennial temple and uh, just read through there and see if you can find anywhere in there, any kind of description of Church of the Living God, this age of believers, okay? And if you can, something I would love to know. And, and I love talking about this and discussing it. And just like I did with a, a, a brother, Michael, the other night. So, so that is it for part number five. Now, part number six, just giving you a heads up, uh, when this gets, uh, part number six gets recorded, we're going to be talking about, six is, is, it's interesting, six is the number of man. We're going to be talking about the final battle, man's final attempt, because Satan is loose for a thousand years. We're going to talk about the final battle and the final judgment of man. And that's in part number six, okay? And then part number seven, I, it is going to be the completion, the number of God. Part number seven is going to be New Jerusalem and the New Earth, which is eternity. So I can't wait to do those last two. So join me for those as well. And uh, again, like, share, and subscribe. Um, share these videos uh, because obviously YouTube, Facebook are not going to do it. So I depended on you to do so for me. Uh, as much as you can, and then uh, they'll get the word out. All right, love you and Lord, God bless you, and join me next time for the re remainder, the last two sections, the last two studies on the Millennial Kingdom. Bye for now.